Pastor Chris's podcast. So I think that I'm the luckiest guy in the world because my wife, Kelly, is my valentine. And um, we've enjoyed many years together. I think it's been 28 or 29 years. We began dating in February. I think our first official date was February 23rd, 1992. So um, it was right around Valentine's Day when we first started together. And um, we actually, that was when we started dating. I was 18 and she was 16. And, um, but we met a few years before that. We didn't talk, but I learned of her. This picture that is on the screen is actually a picture that was hanging in her parents' home. Uh, when I was 13 or 14 years old, I played in a rock and roll band with her father. And um, he played lead guitar, and I played keyboards, and we would go over to his house, and we would rehearse. And on the wall... This picture was hanging there, and I thought, wow, she's pretty. I like that. And every now and then, as we were rehearsing, she would come in the front door and walk through the home, and I would see her and think, wow, she's pretty. And, um, and um, so, but we never talked. She, she didn't seem to even notice me, <laughs> and I never said anything, and I never said anything to her. My first girlfriend, actually, I was only in pre-K, when I had my first girlfriend. How do you have a girlfriend in pre-K? I don't know. I don't even remember the girl. All I remember is coming home from pre-K and my parents and my siblings giggling and laughing and teasing me because I had apparently a girlfriend in pre-K. So I don't remember her, but what I remember is they're, um, they're taking notice of it. And you know, the thing about that is we have to be careful how we talk to kids about these things because they were just having fun and it was cute to think of a little three, four-year-old kid who has a girlfriend when he goes to pre-K. That was what they were doing. What I heard and what was impressed upon me at that early age was, hey, the adults and the older people think that it's important that you have a girlfriend. And that stuck with me all throughout my life. So throughout all of my years of school, the thought I had when I would go to school is, what girl in this class is going to be my girlfriend? And so it seemed strange that a a fourth grader or a fifth grader um, would care about that kind of thing. But to me, from a very early age, they had put that in my mind. And of course, they continued to do that. You know, you would go visit grandma or you'd go over to your aunt or your uncle's house. And what would they say? So, you know, they'd stoop down and say, oh, who's your girlfriend? Who's your girlfriend? And they were just making small talk or doing what adults do. But that was the message that I was receiving. And so one of the things that I look forward to every year when school, the new school year was rolling around is, what girl is going to be in class and which one might be my girlfriend. I had this thought process going on from a very early age that I needed to be looking for the girl that was going to be my mate or my girlfriend. Why would a young kid care about that? It's not like we're going to get married and spend the rest of our lives together, but this was what I was thinking. Well, in high school, 
17 years old. I did have a girlfriend and we got pretty serious and it didn't work out. After many months of being serious together, we broke up and I was heartbroken. And it was a very difficult time for me to go through that. Um, and so the Lord used that as a way to help me grow spiritually and to stop worrying so much about who was going to be my girlfriend. When I was 18 years old, I wasn't really worrying about that kind of thing anymore. I knew that I was about to graduate from high school and I already had plans to move away to go to college in another town. Why worry about finding a girl and investing into a relationship with, with her when we're just going to both graduate and go our separate ways. But my sister really liked my friend Diego. And so even though we had a rule that we didn't date each other's friends, because that always caused problems, she came to me and she said, hey, I really like your friend Diego. And I've got a friend I think you would like. How about we set this rule aside for a little bit? And she said, the girl that I think you would like is named Kelly Hendrick. And I remembered immediately that this was the girl she was talking about. And I thought, well, I'm not really interested in a serious relationship, but I always thought she was pretty. And maybe it would be kind of fun to have someone to hang around with for a few months until we both, you know, until I graduate and go off to college. Wasn't looking for anything serious, just someone to hang around with and have some fun. There was no pressure. And little did I know, though, that this was the woman that God had planned for me to be my forever Valentine. And I'm so thankful that we uh, found each other and have a happy life together. But, you know, the world has a way of doing things. And one of the messages that the world tells us is that you have to find your soulmate. That person that's out there, that's going to complete you. That, that, and, and, and sometimes the message that the world gives to us that may come through a, a movie or music that you listen to, or it may even come from your parents or your older siblings. The message that sometimes comes is you have got to go out there and find that one person that's going, that you're going to spend the rest of your life to. It's almost like the ultimate goal in life is to find your mate, your spouse, or the person you're going to be with. The world has a way of doing things. And oftentimes, we listen to music or we watch television, we see the commercials, and we accept what the world says without really thinking very critically about it. We just assume that what they teach the message that we hear is the truth. That is, until Jesus comes along and he challenges the world's way of thinking. Well, that's what we've been talking about as we go through these messages in this series. And one instance of what the world says is this. The world says, follow your heart. Have you ever heard that? Follow your heart. The call to follow your heart is a warning not to overthink your decisions. The idea is that your heart or your emotions or your gut or your inner voice knows what you really need to do. And so many people believe you should just follow your heart and it will lead you in the right way. 
People believe it so much, they even have that saying tattooed on them. And they look at it as a motto to really guide them in life. Well, if we pause for just a moment to think about it, it doesn't take much thought to realize just follow your heart is really bad advice. Even though so much of the world just accepts this maxim. I suppose if you just follow your heart, it might tell you to just follow your heart. <laughs> but how would you know if you could trust what it was saying when it says this? What I have seen in actual real life is that when people follow their heart, it usually leads them into a big old mess. How many people have married the wrong person because they have simply followed their heart? How many people have gotten into all kinds of trouble because they cheated on their spouse because they were following their heart? How many people have gotten a divorce because they followed their heart? How many people have chosen the wrong career, parented their kids badly, made a bad financial investment, or bought something that wasted money that, really didn't, that they really didn't need simply because they were following their heart, following their emotions, letting their feelings guide their decisions. And as a pastor who counsels with people who are having serious problems, all kinds of problems, whether it's marital problems, financial problems, parenting problems, spiritual problems. As a pastor who counsels with people that have all kinds of problems, the evidence that I have seen through many years of observation is that follow your heart is quite often the root of the problem. That's what got them in trouble to start with. They were just simply following their heart. It seemed like the thing to do, and they did it, and it led them down a road that led to all kinds of trouble. Well, if we really want some trustworthy wisdom by which we can live our lives, we need to turn to Jesus and see what does he say. He is God. He was with God when God created the universe, and he is God. He created us, and he knows the inner workings of our heart and our whole being, and he knows the plan that he wants us to live in this life. What advice does Jesus give about following your heart? Well, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus said, For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. And in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 17, 9, the Word of God says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? That's some pretty strong language. Pretty strong language. Is the heart really that bad? I believe it is. I believe it is because Jesus said it. But I also believe it because I have a heart. And I know my heart, and I have seen how dark my heart can be sometimes. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a good heart. I've always had a good heart. 
even when I was a little kid with a girlfriend in pre-K. I've always had a good heart. It's, it's compassionate. It cares about people. It's generous. It wants to make people happy. It wants to help people feel better. I have a giving heart. I have a good heart. I have a good heart until it's not a good heart. And sometimes it's not a good heart. And when it's not a good heart, you better watch out. I also realize my heart is sneaky. My heart's tricky. My heart, when it wants something, it knows how to be very persuasive. It can figure out how to make almost anything seem right. And it's not just my heart. It's your heart too. You've got a good heart until it's not a good heart. And if you don't think so, it's probably because you're still under its spell. You better watch out. If you're always only just trusting your heart, you better watch out. You better listen to what Jesus says. You better listen to the word of God. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. The heart is not an organ that can be trusted to lead you to make good and right decisions. That's why God said in Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. God knows how deceitful the human heart is. And that's why Jesus came and he died on the cross to atone for our sins. Not only did Christ uh, sacrifice, pay the price for our sins, it also makes it possible for God to give us a new heart. And it's not something that, that happens overnight. It takes time for our heart to be recreated by God until it thinks and acts in godly ways like Christ would want it to. In the meantime, we have to trust in Jesus. And when we do, God begins to heal our heart. And in the meantime, he sends his Holy Spirit to live inside us and to guide us. But we have to listen to the Holy Spirit and not our broken, wounded, deceitful hearts. We have to learn how to follow the Holy Spirit. And it can be confusing, because sometimes following the Holy Spirit looks a lot like following your heart. They're very similar in many ways. You're, you're listening to an intangible, intuitive force to guide you. And many people, thinking they are following the Holy Spirit, are really just following their heart. Or they're following their emotions, or doing what they feel is the right thing. So how do you tell the difference? 
Well, I want to give you a few ways to know the difference. First of all, look to the Bible. Look to the Bible. The clearest instruction from God about how to live and what to think and what to do comes from his holy word, the Bible. The scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the foundation for everything that we believe and do as Christians. And if you think the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something that goes against what the Bible clearly says, then you need to check yourself. Because it's probably not the Holy Spirit. Why would the Holy Spirit try to tell you to do something that God has already said not to do in his holy word? If the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something that goes against scripture, it's probably not the Spirit of God. It's probably your heart. That sneaky little heart that's saying, yeah, but let me tell you why you can disobey God and disobey his word. So what the heart does. So we have to look to scripture. And second, I would say, ask the church. You see, the Christian faith is not a private matter. It's not a private faith in Jesus. And a private faith in Jesus is not probably not really faith at all. You see, even Jesus' religion, when he walked on this earth, was not lived only in private. He called together 12 disciples to live out his religion with him in a community. Jesus always meant for his way of living to be lived with other people. The church is the gathering of Jesus' people. And we are called to help each other and depend on each other. We need each other. And when we are trying to discern, to, when we are trying to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying, especially if it's a very important decision, we need to check in with the community of faith. Every Christian needs a few good Christian friends that they can trust, people that they can talk to about their decisions. As you listen for the Holy Spirit's guidance, you listen to your Christian brothers and sisters. Your heart may try to deceive you, but a good Christian friend will tell you the truth. That is what will help you know the difference between your emotions and the true leading of the Holy Spirit. And to these things, I would also add how important it is to have a life of prayer. And I don't just say how important it is to pray. I say how important it is to have a life of prayer. You see, so many people, they really only pray to God when they face a really difficult problem. A doctor comes to you and they, they give you some bad news about something and then all of a sudden you start to pray. And that's okay. It's okay if that, at least you're doing that. If that's what it takes to get you to pray, okay, do it. And God will hear you and he quite often will help you. 
But if you want to, to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you need to have a life of prayer. What I mean by that is that you need to have a, a daily, regular habit of praying. And not just even daily, hour by hour, moment by moment. You need to live your life in such a way that all through the day, as you go through life, you realize that God is there with you all the time. And he is there listening. And you can have an ongoing conversation with him all throughout the day. Just as, and it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out prayer. It can be as quick as a text message would be. You know, when you send a text message to someone, it only takes a moment. And it maybe is only a few words or a few sentences. Your prayers to God can be even shorter than that. But if you recognize that he's with you all the time, what, don't give him the silent treatment all throughout the day. He's walking beside you. Talk to him. And as you do this regularly and continually, you become more sensitive to him talking to you and guiding you by his Holy Spirit. And so you no longer need to simply follow your heart, which is so deceptive. Instead, you can follow the God who created your heart. And so today, as we close, I want to invite you, if you've never done so before, I invite you to receive a new heart from the Lord. Because your old one is broken. It doesn't really care about you. It just wants to satisfy, satisfy itself. And it doesn't really care if you get hurt along the way. But God loves you so deeply and so unconditionally. He really does want what's best for you. He will always look after your best interests, even if it means withholding something from you that you think you really need or really want. But God knows it's really not good for you or it's not the right time. Ultimately, God wants to spend eternity with you. Won't you surrender your heart to him today so that he can give you a new and better heart? One that will last for eternity? And if you've been following the Lord, maybe Christ is your Savior, but you've also been trying to follow your heart. Today I want to invite you to follow a better path. Follow Jesus and listen to his Holy Spirit. For it will never lead you astray. Thank you so much for allowing me to share with you today. And I hope that you will listen to what God has said to you and do accordingly.